0: Hey, everybody, this is Eric Mueller, the host of The Eric Mueller Show. You're tuned in to the podcast that explores what makes any successful person's inner clock tick by unlocking the most impactful tools within their success portfolios. Today, I'm joined for the second time by Aurora Winter. Her last appearance on the show was episode 39, where she shared why every person needs a book of their own. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I really encourage you to do so. But this time around, we'll be diving into the three marketing mistakes that even smart people make, as well as how to launch a business with a minimum viable product. Let's head on over to the interview. Aurora, welcome to the show.
1: Eric, it's great to be back on with you.
0: It's a pleasure to have you back on. It's it's you know to have to have someone want to come back really means a lot to me. So I really appreciate you reaching out. And before we really dive deep into your entrepreneurial story, so we didn't touch on that a lot last time, is really your story of what got you to where you are now. Before we do that, we want to know what makes up your success portfolio. So if you're new to the show, listening, let me just give you a quick background on it. An investment portfolio is basically the compilation of investments that lays the foundation for financial goals. Well, here on The Eric Mueller Show, we want to discover how successful people like Aurora invest in themselves and build the foundation for their success. So, Aurora, start us off. What are some skills, traits, habits, mindsets, attributes, what have you, that make up your success portfolio?
1: Oh, I love this question, Eric, and I love that you, you call it a success portfolio because I think a growth mindset is is so key and so that you're providing this value to people so they can take action right away, listen to the show, take action. Okay, so I have a couple of things in my own success portfolio, and I would challenge the listeners if any one of these resonate with you, do them today, <laughs> right? Right. All right. So one of the key, and I have five things here. So one of the things that I think provides a lot of progress and satisfaction for me is that I do my most valuable project first thing in the day. So basically I'm a writer. I'm a ghostwriter and I write my own books as well. And that it requires the most amount of my creativity and brain. So I wake up, I grab a cup of coffee, I turn on my computer and I write. So. Whatever is your most valuable thing, whether it's thinking about your business or planning or strategizing, do your most valuable thing first thing in the morning. And I have a habit of that. So whatever is your highest value um, task, prioritize it. I'm a morning person. If you're a night person, maybe do it at the end of the day. But for me, it's first thing in the morning. So I write um every day, first thing in the morning. The second thing I do, which relates to that is I block off tasks. So I block 90 minute periods of time to focus. This really helps me because I have a squirrel brain, probably like everybody else on the planet, which is, it's always saying, oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Or you should do this. And I've got, you know, a list of 30 things that I want to get done. But by blocking off time, I'm able to tell myself, look, I've got 90 minutes. I'm focusing just on this one important project. And that provides more of, more access to my best thinking. Without It being drained by this pesky little, oh, you should do something else. You should do something else. And also know that, um, like I love the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. Know that if you can get two 90-minute blocks each day in your highest productive activity, you're winning the day. You don't have to be doing your highest productive thing all day long. Two 90-minute blocks, you're ahead of the game. If you can get three, you're, you know, Mount Everest – productivity. So I I do my most valuable thing. First thing, I block off time. The um, third most important thing I do is I filter everything through the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle. A lot of people know 20% of your activities are going to bring you 80% of your revenue. 20% of your activities are going to bring you 80% of your happiness and health. But then I do it again So it's also true, mathematically speaking, that if you do the 80-20 rule on the 80-20 rule, (laughs) then you get 4% of your activities will bring you 64% or the majority of your results. So I'm always looking for what is the 4% tipping point? What will really make a difference? And what is just busyness? So I have a habit of filtering what I'm doing through that tipping point question, what are the 4% that will make the most difference in my life? Which is one of the reasons I reached back out to you, Eric, because I realized that it's a very high value to uh, nurture relationships with awesome people such as yourself, right? So that fell into the 4% of activities that generate uh, happiness for me with a robust group of like-minded people. Um, The next thing, the fourth thing I want to share, which relates to the 80-20 rule or the 64-4 principle, is to let it go. Which means if you're focused on that high leverage 4%, there is 96% you are not focused on. And, And I still have to talk myself through it, but be okay with that because you're actually separating what really matters, the fulcrums, the high leverage points from the noise, from the things that don't move the, the needle. So be willing to let go those low leverage activities that don't really make a difference. So for me, that shows up like, oh gosh, I'm not on Facebook very much. I'm you know, not necessarily on top of all of my emails. I'm not necessarily doing everything, but what am I doing instead? Like everything you say yes to, is something else you're saying no to. So I'm saying yes to my highest leverage activities, which means I have to be okay with letting go of low low leverage activities that other people may want me to do. So the fifth thing that's really served me is to have a lighthearted attitude of experimentation with my business, rather than trying to have a 10 year or five year plan and getting all heavy about it, I asked myself where can I come up with a, with an experiment? Where can I do something for 30 or 60 or 90 days and test an idea without spending too much money or too much time? Just kind of see is that is that in the right is that in the right uh, general vicinity? And so this lighthearted attitude of experimentation before going, you know, full out has really served me well and one of the uh, results of that experimentation or one of the experiments later became the book, Marketing Fast Track, which perhaps we'll get into talking about. So those are five um, habits that I think have really served me. And I challenge the listeners, if any one of those resonated with you, why not start that new habit today?
0: Yeah, Aurora, that's perfect. And I think from an actionable standpoint, I think that's great because people. I want people to tune into this show and hear from people like yourself who are experts in You know, marketing or writing, like we talked about last time, and be able to walk away and be able to have something that they can actually start like tomorrow and not feel like they need to write a novel in the next week, but they can start the habit of just writing for 20 minutes a day. So I think the actionable aspect of those steps, I I really appreciate you sharing uh, what makes up your success portfolio and drawing a little bit on last episode in regard to success. So just a little bit more before we dive into that marketing fast track is. Has your definition of success changed within the last half year or so? You shared with me that you viewed success as not a goal, but a process, an engaged process rather. And I asked if if you would quantify and put any metrics on that, like, you know, a dollar amount or you need to enroll X amount of clients. What is success to you right now? Has it changed at all?
1: Well, I I believe what I said last time or what I believe a success to be is meaningful progress towards a goal that I have decided is valuable. And so I think so many people think of success as an end destination, and they rob themselves of the joy of the journey. So for me, if I'm actively engaged, working on something that I think is going to make the world better, or is creative, or is valuable in some way, then that's cool. For uh, today, like I just set myself a goal of, of releasing in next year, which would be 2023, uh, three a trilogy a fantasy trilogy that I have already drafted. So that's that's my definition of success for 2023 is to uh, publish that fantasy trilogy. So that's a specific goal. So that's another helpful thing is is make your goal specific and tangible, and then I'm going to put it on the fridge and then I can tick off because it's it's so easy to have too many priorities. But the word priority means one. So what's the one thing you want to accomplish?
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. It, it gets me thinking a lot about time blocking and really some effective ways to to block off time to be able to actually accomplish something without getting distracted. So by being able to prioritize, I'm sure that helped you to write that that fantasy trilogy. We'll look forward to to that coming out. Nah, yeah, it is next year, 23, just around the corner. So yeah. we'll look forward to that. So, so on to marketing fast track, Aurora. So we talked just a little bit about this the last interview, but we didn't really do a deep dive. Would you share the story of how you launched a business that generated over a quarter million dollars in 90 days or really what the story was that brought you to create a book in this unique way like you used a transcribed interview. So if people want to check out that book, please do so. The, the free link will be in the show notes, but but yeah, Aurora, just share with us that story.
1: Well marketing fast track is really that uh, that story of okay what are the 4% of things that will really move the the needle 64% and how can i just have a lighthearted approach to it so as as you know eric but i'll just back up for the benefit of the listeners i'm actually a widow my husband died suddenly at the age of 33 our son was 4 and uh at that time you know my husband and i were in business together we had a yacht sales business and then later, I went on to found the Grief Coach Academy, because after I learned how to get myself out of that deep pit of despair, I wanted to help other people uh, heal from grief. And for quite a number of years, I trained people at the Grief Coach Academy. But then being a restless soul, because basically I'm a creative entrepreneur and, you know, we always want to be creating the next thing, I I um, noticed that people were asking me, you know, how did you get on so many TV interviews and radio interviews and how did you write so many books, Aurora, and would you... Help me with my marketing. But I wasn't, uh, I didn't have a marketing company. My company was called Grief Coach Academy, and I was training coaches and other people how to get through grief. So, but I was hearing the message Can you help me with my marketing? Can you help me with my messaging? Can you help me write a book? Can you help me promote a book? So I wanted to do an experiment. So what I did is I reached out to somebody who was already in my network, as you are, Eric. It was somebody who had interviewed me before. He worked for Tony Robbins at the time, Mark Von Muster was his name. He'd interviewed me about how to coach people through grief. I said, would you be willing to interview me about marketing and entrepreneurship and messaging? He said, sure, you were great to interview last time, let's do it. So I gave him some sample questions and then we had a, a lovely interview and I believe I contributed to the coaches at Tony Robbins. and the that interview, I thought, oh, that wasn't bad. So then I transcribed it and turned that one hour interview into a short little book called Marketing Fast Track. Then what I wanted to do with that book is just see, would people who were on my email list, who knew me as the founder of the Grief Coach Academy, who knew me as the author of a book called From Heartbreak to Happiness or Grief Relief in 30 Minutes, would they be at all interested in uh, my help with their marketing messaging Perhaps writing and publishing a book. So the little book marketing fast track, like the little little engine that could, was my experiment. So I uh, offered people the print uh, version of the book for free. They just paid shipping and handling, but that was enough basically to more or less almost cover the cost of the book. They paid four dollars and seventy seven cents, and then I uh, added more value to the relationship, and I sent them five follow up videos with helpful things they could do about marketing or messaging. And as a consequence of sending out the the free book and getting the videos and a number of people signed up for a complimentary uh, business breakthrough call, which people can do at bookcall.biz. And as a result of that, I generated $250,000 of new business in 90 days. So that was like blew blew, blew my expectations. And definitely that little experiment proved check. Yes, people are interested in Aurora's help with their marketing messaging and uh, also per- perhaps with writing a book. It wasn't around writing a book. It was just around marketing and messaging. Obviously you can use marketing messages, messaging for many things for, for speaking at the front of the room, for being a guest on a podcast or being a podcast host. Um, and you can also use it for a book. So what did that experiment cost me? Almost nothing because it was a one hour interview. I quickly made a, a little book. Um Yes. I was up, out about a dollar for every book that I shipped, but that's a very low amount to invest in a conversation with the prospect. And then it generated a bunch of business. I do want to clarify, because some people misunderstand this. I didn't sell $250,000 worth of books. Mm-hmm. The book as a lead magnet and then offered people various things that I uh, I do with my team. And that generated $250,000 of new business which is basically in 90 days, so that's a you know seven-figure rate. So the more important thing that I don't want people to miss is it was an experiment to see if I could pivot my business and I was testing the market desire for a new product and service that I was offering. My company's called Same Page Publishing and I'm focused exclusively now on helping people with their marketing, messaging, and also book creation. And also one more thing... Because I did it that way, and it was so easy and fun to take a conversation and then turn it into a book. Now, many of the clients that I help uh, create their books, they're experts, they're leaders. They have a lot to say, but they're not writers. So I just interview them. And then my team and I turn and transcribe that. And there were a lot of benefits from that.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. And I love, without spoiling the introduction completely of the book, you reference, uh, you draw on a metaphor of a hermit crab in oh, regard yeah. to an entrepreneur. And I, I thought that was so spot on because just to touch on it, I mean, you, you view it as we we don't have you know that hard exoskeleton as entrepreneurs. We need to move into a shell to be able to grow. But then yeah. at some point we, we're going to outgrow that shell. So that's when we need to venture out, take some risk and go find our next destination to, to then grow and thrive. And I thought that was a perfect segue into just the really the minimum viable product and being able to find a fit. I think it all tied in so nicely in the introduction of that book. So yeah, I'm, did you think, I mean, you thought of that metaphor completely on your own. That's impressive.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you liked it, Eric. And you know, I think this is uh, very common with entrepreneurs. Like you have a background in, in pharmacy, you have a lot of expertise. I had a background, well, I have different backgrounds. I had coach training background, also was an expert in in uh, tax shelters when i was with the company and i also had a film and television background i had a film and t- tv company as well but I, it's very common entrepreneurs are creative people we're expansive people so even though you've got say an expertise in um in 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 pharmacy, that shell is too small for you now. Eric is bigger than that. And so now, okay, you're expanding, you're doing your podcast. You've got this lovely, you know, success portfolio. Who you are doesn't fit in a the small shell you were in before. And there is that, you know, vulnerable point when you're, you know, scrambling to find another shell, which is why I really encourage entrepreneurs, especially what experiment can you do for not too much money in 90 days or less that can reassure you, oh, that that shell's gonna fit. There's demand for it. You know what do you, what do you love to do? What are you really good at? And who is that worth the most to? You also want to filter by having some market demand.
0: Yeah. So and and before we dive into really the like the three main mistakes that people make when marketing, even even smart individuals, what is like the first step for being able to to start a test? So if someone's listening right now and they have an expertise in you know, they have their profession, maybe they're in, maybe they're in healthcare. We'll just use that for an example, but they want to branch out into something different than that. Mm -hmm. How can they, like, what would be the first step? I mean, you mentioned you had, you had an existing network and and clientele from uh, the grief relief book Mm -hmm. that you were able to message with an email and maybe you need help with marketing and, and turned out a lot of them did, which that worked out great. If someone doesn't have an existing email list or you know what do they do? They just message some friends to see if that you know. I, I I guess I think that a listener might be confused as to where to start.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I can come up with an answer that would fit for every single situation. But what I would you know, obviously you can start off by talking to your friends and family and just see, hey, you know, do you like this idea, whatever. But that can also lead you in the wrong direction because you don't actually want opinions; you want credit cards. Not because you need to make money, but because the true test of whether the idea is good or not is if somebody's willing to buy it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, uh, much earlier, you know, I tested I test titles. So for example, I tested the title from heartbreak to happiness. And how I chose to test it was at a Marianne Williamson uh, event. Marianne Williamson was speaking. I thought, you know, my vibe is kind of similar to her in that book. So when people came out of that, I asked them, do you like this title or that title, this title or that title? Well, if a 17-year-old boy told me the answer, I would write it down, but I was not going to count it. You need to first say, well, what is it that you would like to sell? and then who is your target market and then the third question is is there some way that you can ask a meaningful question to that target market that hopefully has a little even if it's a dollar cash attached mm-hmm. and 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 that's the beginning of a test so my test the $4.77 that people spent to get a actual print book mailed to them was actually filtered my list about uh um 100 times more effective than just free Mm -hmm. so can you create a a little bit of friction maybe 99 cents even for something so that you can test it but i'm not sure what all the listeners are are thinking of doing so uh uh see how you can do that like obviously i'm an author so i like to use a little book as a test
0: yeah no i i mean i think that's great advice because i think some of the homework still needs to be done by by you the listener is what is what is your target audience and and what niche are you in mm-hmm. and that's really going to you, you could try you know try to figure out what are you passionate about what are you curious about like we talked about in the last episode Aurora about writing your book think about what you're curious about as inspiration to write a book think about that for a business idea as well or even just how can you provide value to like you mentioned in marketing fast track like what is your unique gift that the world needs yeah. You know, don't don't even think of it as, oh, I need to sell this to make money. But what what does the world need from me and deserve from me and that I deserve to give them? I think that is an excellent way to look at it.
1: You can also look at, you know, where have you ha- have you suffered? Where have you had challenges that you've overcome? And can you help other people get through those challenges or get through that suffering more quickly? Like I, I was in excruciating pain after my husband died. I really suffered from grief. I felt like I was being crucified. It was horribly painful. So I was very motivated to help other people suffer less or or suffer for a shorter period of time and and it felt like uh, who am I to not give them that gift like that felt heavy on my heart to withhold that gift. so helping other people get through grief more quickly, was a way of me um, sharing what I'd learned about recovering from grief with other people. The book Marketing Fast Track is my way of helping other people not make the same stupid mistakes that I made so that they can, you know, get to the gold at the end of the rainbow a little bit faster. But for every listener, what problem can you solve? You can look at either things that you're really good at, or you can look at struggles that you have overcome, and then help other people with what you know now. Basically, if you think about who you were maybe five or ten years ago, what does what does Eric or whoever the listener is five or ten years ago, what would be helpful? You know, what have you learned? You've learned a lot along the path and made, you know, bumps and wrong turns and gotten bruised. But if you could just, you know, download that information like in the Matrix, that was so cool. We could just download, okay, now I've right. got to fly this helicopter. So that could be a clue as to what you want to offer.
0: Yeah. That's- I I think that's a phenomenal way to look at it because I even think if you're listening, you probably think five, 10 years ago, you might be completely different in terms of your thought process. You know, if you're, if you're in your twenties and thirties, I mean, you think of what you went through, you know, you, you 10 years ago, you might've been in high school, you know, and here, and here you are now in your mid twenties. So I think to think about what the person that you, I guess, try to become the person that you wish you had when you were that age, that might be a, a good way to do it. But, that's also that that that's tough. that's it's not easy, but it's it's not easy for a good reason because nothing worthwhile is. but yeah, we really appreciate uh, you touching on that, Aurora. And now you know, let's look at those three mistakes that that people make that you touch on in marketing fast track with their marketing. What did you notice that that those main mistakes, like why they were occurring and and you know how to avoid them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we got three mistakes, which probably I've done all of them. And hopefully, you can have the takeaway just from this call. If you're, you know, driving and you're trying to make notes or whatever, you can get the book Marketing Fast Track. It's my gift to you. It's absolutely for free. Wherever books are sold, you can get Marketing Fast Track by Aurora Winter. And and you can uh, not try to take notes while you're driving, if you're listening to this and doing that. So the first mistake is not becoming an expert. And it does relate to what we were just talking about, Eric. So whatever you're excited about, interested about, curious about, or that you have uh, suffered and you've overcome, then invest extra time in becoming an expert. So when I started the Grief Coach Academy, I didn't just go, well, you know, my heart was broken and now I'm feeling kind of okay, so I'll help you. No, I studied, (laughs) I researched, you know, I found out a lot about grief. I took a lot of additional training. So I really became an expert in how to go from heartbreak to happiness. So whatever you're up to, keep learning. It's a lifelong process, have that growth mindset. Maybe invest an hour a day in learning more so that you can contribute more. The more you learn, the more you earn. So not becoming an expert, I think, is the number one uh, mistake I'd like to point out. And once you do have some expertise, of course, you can turn it into a book. You can turn it into a podcast. You can turn it into a course. You can coach people through it. You can write a blog. Obviously, people want to uh, benefit from your expertise, but they want to benefit from your expertise with the following filter. So mistake number two I see, especially small business owners making, is they try to write their, their emails and other communication as if they were IBM. So they become very impersonal. And, and no, you should play to your strengths. So a second mistake is failing to be personal to be authentic to even be vulnerable. So f- for example, you know, when I shared earlier on this podcast that my husband had died and how old he was and that I had a 4-year-old, that was being willing to be authentic. I have other stories that are even more vulnerable than that, but by by willing to by being willing to show your mistakes as well as your successes, you increase trust. So if somebody only tells you all their accolades and all the wonderful things they did and all the money they made, that's okay. If they also add, you know, I made this wrong turn and that wrong turn and I should have, could have, would have done it better. Next time I'll do it this way. Then you trust that person. If it's all all just expertise and, uh, you know, top of the world moments, it's like, eh, there's something missing from this story. So uh, be authentic And then the third mistake, and we can certainly go more deeply into each of these and what the solution is, is not spending time mastering marketing and messaging. So many people have a, I don't know, squiggly feeling in their tummy about the word marketing or the word selling, but that is based on a misunderstanding, in my view, of what marketing means. Marketing simply means uh, broadcasting the message so that people who are praying, hoping, needing the solution that you provide can find you. So marketing, I think is kind of like, you've got your expertise, you've got your humanity, you have a problem that you solve. Okay, now be a lighthouse and broadcast your light again and again, rescuing and saving the ships, you know, that would otherwise uh, go aground. So uh, marketing is simply efficiently broadcasting your light so that people know that you're the solution that they are looking for. It's not, it shouldn't be, you know, manipulative or deceptive. But if you are hiding your light under a bushel, you're not helping yourself and Quite honestly, it's your fault if the people go around who were praying for you and you were just getting in your own way by not <laughs> broadcasting your light.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing to draw on that that I thought was really impactful from the book was, again, another metaphor. I thought you did a wonderful job with the metaphors in the book. Really helped me and really helped the concept stick with me. So listeners out there, when you read it, hopefully it resonates with you too. But it was a tree metaphor in regard to yeah. growing is like, is like growing a tree and you think of how long it takes to grow a tree, and then you relate that to growing something like corn as a farmer, you know, that's a seasonal thing. So that's going to be a little faster. And then growing something like a radish, you know, that's yeah. really quick, like a quick win that you can, that you can garner that, you know, have food fast. And so I, I just thought that was so impactful to hear, you know, in terms of what you're trying to build. And so if you think, what what is it that you're working on right now, you know, to be maybe a little bit easier on yourself and think, you know, cherish those, those quick wins and, you know, I'm really, I'm preaching myself here because I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at this. I want, I want something quick and I want to be able to, you know, write a book tomorrow. And it's just from listening to you and other people I've had on the show, it's, it's not the case and you need to enjoy the journey. And so I'm trying to get better at it, but you know, this is me being authentic and, and trying to be open about, about that being something that's really difficult. So I think that metaphor was spot on.
1: Yeah. And I encourage people like do go for the radishes, go for those quick wins. I mean, the whole book marketing fast track was based on a one hour interview, you know, so that was a quick win the result of that book was $250,000 in 90 days. Plus I also got on TV twice, even when it was still a PDF, it wasn't even a book yet. And again, it's, it's relationships, but also you want to have corn that takes mm-hmm. like, a season and you want to have Trees, but you don't want to just plant trees. You'll starve.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So mix it up a little bit, like a good farmer. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And yeah, you got sensational media coverage when the book was coming out, and those videos are, are online to access uh, through your website. I watched a few of those. It was it was really cool to see that you know being talked about after I had read it, and I would ask you, Aurora, in in your experience, do you have one? person that you can think of that was the most impactful to who you are now or even it could be a few people i mean you know your husband obviously early on in your your you know love life and entrepreneurial life was was highly impactful but is there is there any like you know if you had to pick just one person that you even even could be someone that you haven't met you know maybe you consumed their content that was just really impactful for who you are now
1: Gosh, there's so many uh, potential names fighting in my head to come out, but I would say uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer because I I've written since I was nine years old. You know, I'm an award-winning screenwriter, uh, worked in film and television, but I I didn't. My first published book was called From Heartbreak to Happiness, and and I gave it to uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer when it was just in manuscript form, and. Then I saw him at another at another event, and he, he blew me away because he looked up across the room, and I must have been, I don't know, 15 feet away, and he said, Aurora, you're the woman who wrote the book about her husband dying. I will give you an endorsement. That was amazing. And he said the book, From Heartbreak to Happiness, he said, I read every page of this beautiful diary. It touched my heart, and I'm sure it will impact yours. And that he wrote that letter with that testimonial to me. I remember it was five, five, five. So that was May 5th, 2005. And after he said that to me and recognized me and acknowledged the the difference, my book that had impacted him, I did the happy dance of joy. And I knew that I really was a writer, not just like a wannabe writer, but like a writer, writer, um, because I, he was my first choice for somebody to endorse my work because, you know, he's the father of motivation and, and I wanted to, um, inspire, encourage, uplift others, which hopefully that book from heartbreak to happiness does. So that was a life-changing moment and I'm grateful to him. And it's really cool. I really encourage people. If you do have gifts to share with others, do what Eric's doing, like have a podcast or record some things, put them on YouTube. Like I still listen to Dr. Wayne Dyer Uh, you know, his voice on YouTube with some encouraging words. And it's like, well, that's even though he's passed on, his wisdom is still available to us through his books and his voice and his videos.
0: Yeah. It's uh, evergreen content.
1: I want to hear that same question about you. Like who inspired you the most?
0: Yeah, that, that that's a wonderful question. I think, you know, I'll, I'll pick probably an easy choice. Really. It's my, my dad. Um, so he mm-hmm. really just has instilled in me just the the meaning of the hard work will pay off. And, you know, I've I've learned throughout, you know, talking to smart entrepreneurs, like, you know, sometimes you want to work smart and hard, but I still think that if you consistently show up and do something, you are going to see a result at some point. And it, yeah. it's almost certainly not going to be immediate. But I think that has been in just seeing, you know, my family dynamic and being able to grow up in a really supportive environment. It's been really essential to my growth to know that it's, it's not for nothing. The hard work is, is helping. And even if I never make a dime off this show, I'm certainly, I'm gaining so much, you know, in an intangible way that is helping, helping myself grow. And hopefully those of you listening are growing as well. Um, whatever that number might be, who knows right now, you could be streaming this in 2040 and, and Mm -hmm. hearing me talk and who knows where we are now, but I'm, I'm never going to take it down. So it's going to exist there forever until, uh, you know, something happens with Apple Podcasts or, or whatever, which which probably won't happen, but
1: good karma, right? You're broadcasting uplifting messages and, and impacting people. Who knows, to 2040. So we right. can do that together and we can celebrate that and, and acknowledge it. And it's certainly what you just talked about that your father taught you the value of hard work. It's not talked about that much. We're all into the secret, kind of like just mm-hmm. visualize it and it will come. But, you know, studies do show that the people who make the most money uh, work more. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a direct correlation. Right. So it's good to have a clear goal. It's good to have the habits, the five habits I mentioned at the top of the call, top of the podcast, but also um, do something. <laughs> Take yeah. action.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I thought um, on the last interview, we, we talked a little bit about about that exact piece. And you shared a really insightful example of writing a book, someone that doesn't want to like put in the daily effort of writing even 500 words but wants a novel – it's kind of like wanting to run a marathon, but you don't want to like run around your block. And as a runner, yeah. like that hit home with me, because if you don't consistently show up and, and put in hard work day in and day out to train your legs and your mind and your lungs, you're not going to be able to, to race to win a Boston marathon. It's just, that's physically not going to be possible. And so I think the same holds true with, with really anything in life that that hard work needs to be put in and Maybe it comes easier to to some, you know, maybe writing for you now, I'm sure is a lot easier than it was when you started. But yeah, if you want to started with that, with that daily practice of writing, you maybe never would have uh, produced that first book and helped how many people that needed it with, you know, the grief when you wrote that diary.
1: Yeah. Hard work is fun. Like I define success as meaningful progress towards a goal that I define as worthwhile. So with that, actually, you know, people thrive when we are working hard to achieve things. So hard work I find is fun. So get in the zone, block off your time and do your most important task. (laughs) Right. And eventually, like I miss it if I don't spend my first 90 minutes writing. I, I really miss that. And if I go to the gym almost every day too. And I really miss it if I don't do that. And you probably do too. So hard work is hard, but it also is very rewarding. You know? So that can be, you know, very, very meaningful. I wanna leave people with a challenge. Yes. They give a ninety day challenge. So The 90-day challenge, you know, we gave you five things at the beginning uh, that are immediately actionable, uh, but I invite you to do these things. If you do this for 90 days, it will change your life, I promise you. Changed mine. So, thing number one, write every day. It could be just five minutes. It could be even writing, Aurora Winter told me to write every day and I don't know what to write, So, but here I'm writing, my pen is moving, that's it, I'm out of ideas, stop. Okay, fine, you did it, check. Um, tomorrow, you'll probably write something different. So, write every day for 90 days. Keep, get a nice journal or a nice pen if that's meaningful to you, or you can dictate it on your phone if that's more your jam. Uh, thing number two is read every day. And again, it can be just a page, it can be just a paragraph, it could be a short poem, it can be. So, encourage yourself to read outside of your area of expertise, read broadly, read fiction, read nonfiction. There's value in everything. Read it. Read every day and you don't have to finish the book you can just taste a little bit um and so that that's only going to take you 10 minutes for writing every day and reading every day and then the third thing is only once a week and that's i call it uh, a radical review so i call it radical writing radical reading and radical review radical review is once a week maybe on sunday you just review what you wrote and you you kind of scan you know what you read and then Maybe there's some action you want to take. And when you do this, you become much more aware and conscious in your life. And what I noticed after doing this for less than 90 days is the things that I was complaining about and whining about or tolerating, I I handled or I stopped whining about them. Like I just accepted. That's how it is. It's a rainy day. Nothing I can do about it. Fine. Don't whine about it. Um, Or if it was something I could do, something about, then I did that about it. And then I also noticed that when I earnestly asked questions like, how can I contribute more to this person? How can I, you know, make a bigger difference in my son's life? How can I write a better book? The answers would come, but unless you have the practice of also reviewing it, you might not notice that you asked the question a week ago and here's the answer, right? Sometimes it comes in the same day, but sometimes it comes a week or two or three later And then as you do this, you start to notice that you can be your own best friend, and you can be your own compass, and that you do know what to do, and you do know what direction to go. Just listening to yourself. I mean, to have a good relationship with your spouse or significant other, you would talk to them at least five minutes a day. (laughs) But we don't honor ourselves. So I really challenge you, invite you to do this 90-day challenge uh, radical reading radical writing radical review you can even read the book marketing fast track if you want to it's free marketing fast track by aurora winter uh, on amazon or wherever you like to get your your books absolutely for free and eric's going to put the link in the show notes and um the process for me created a self-correcting way of being and also a lot of gratitude because i realized that the questions i asked were answered when I asked with an earnest heart and that wanted to make a contribution. So don't ask stupid questions like, why am I a moron? Don't ask questions like that. Or don't ask questions you don't want the answer to, like, why me when my husband died? But how can I overcome grief? How can I, uh, for you, run a better podcast? How can I contribute more to my clients? How can I run a quick, fast experiment. How can I block off time? How can I come to peace with I'm not answering all my emails because I'm implementing the 64-4 rule? So ask those kinds of questions. And I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on on LinkedIn is the best Aurora Winter on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to hear how the 90-day challenge goes. And I'd love for you to do it, Eric, and let me know.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. need to do that. Everyone out there, definitely. I mean, that's super simple and easy and actionable to be able to to start seeing results quickly and really start becoming more self-aware of, of what makes you tick, in other words. And so I think that's that's huge. Go back to the front if you missed it or want to re-hear that aspect of what makes up Aurora's success portfolio to find out what aspects of that might you add to your own. That's the goal here is to really get you into that mindset of, of continually improving and we're super happy that Aurora came on for the second time to help us learn those marketing mistakes, learn how to launch that business with just a test minimum viable product, because you never know what value you might need to provide to someone unless you ask. You need to be able to do that. And so I really can't thank you enough, Aurora. Thanks for coming on. We'll take everything in the show notes, and we'll look forward to catching up with you soon.
1: Thanks so much, Eric. I really enjoyed it.